coming in tomorrow to do three classes in a row. Oh wow! For for uh, you know an hour each class and giving a similar presentation and you you, I was shocked because I told them all about me and poetry and all uh -huh. that stuff that I love, and then I had them write something. Right? I said you know four lines, eight lines, rhyme it, don't rhyme it, whatever. Write something. You know. Yeah. I was stunned at how how good some of that stuff was, and they only had like seven minutes. That's excellent. I was stunned. And then some of them didn't want to read it, so I read it for them. But I got to tell you one thing. I said, and be, you know, put a title on it. And the title should be what it's about. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. If you're talking about trees, call it trees. But, but give it a title. And if you're talking about trees, don't title it um, Riding a Bicycle on Mars. I mean, don't do that, okay? So I'm going around and I'm going around. At the very end, I'm back up at the front of the teacher's thing and this kid says, hey, can I read mine? I'm Eddie. I said, Eddie, go ahead and read it. He says, I just wanted to tell you the title first. It's called Riding a Bicycle on Mars. <laughs> yes! I go, that, that's what I love about, I love seeing young people that are clever. Yeah. and they, I mean, they're our future. And this kid dies, oh, you already won, man. That's great. Yeah. And it was about trees. Huh? It was about trees. No, it wasn't. It was about riding, <laughs> riding a bicycle, bicycle on Mars. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself. Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box, recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, The Art Box. We took a month off, and Linda's back, smiling over there. Don't hit your head. You're in the Hi, same Steve. spot. There is so much energy bouncing off the walls of this room. Anytime we have a talk with Dennis, we have extra energy coming off of him. Hi, Dennis. Hey, hi, Linda. <laughs> Thank you. I, I just have so much fun. It's just life is a joy, right? Yeah. It is. Tell us what you, what you're involved with, right? Well, um, I showed you my poster. A, a gentle plug here. On December second, at three, there's a second show at seven. We're doing uh, what's called the Rock and Sing Along Christmas. So it's my entire rock and roll band uh -huh. with five singers out in front. And I brought the list. I'm not going to read them all, but we do three different categories of songs so we'll be doing sacred stuff like away in the manger oh come all you faithful we'll be doing traditional pop songs like white christmas you know um i'll be seeing no i'll be home for christmas that one um and then rock ones like we're doing um springsteen santa claus is coming to town have you ever heard him say oh he goes santa claus is coming to town oh yes, man yes. so fun <laughs> and you know rocking around the christmas tree and stuff like that it's a massive 12 dollars a ticket so you can probably afford to come uh, again it's uh, at the the Mesquite Community Theater over on 150 North Yucca. Hopefully your 
listeners have been to plays there because it's a pretty nice theater. Come on down. We're going to have a lot of fun. And it, yeah, a new sound system, too. You'll benefit yeah, from that. Well, I'm actually bringing in a pro system. Um, this, the guy that does the dam jam out at the Beaver Dam, we, we play that every year. And he's got this massive system. So he's going to be bringing his system in, and it's... It's going to rock that place. It's not going to be really loud because it's Christmas, but it is sing-along. So the MC will actually tell you right from the start, you have a job here. You know, I know you paid to get in, but you have to sing. So don't be shy. Get Sing on every single, you know every one of these songs. You know, Away in a Major. You know Away in a Major. Sing Away in a Major. So it's it's just going to be a hoot. We got costumes. We got decorations, you know, and it's songs that everybody knows. So... We've been we're in rehearsals now and it's just it's a hoot, man. Where do you rehearse at? Well, it depends on the day. So this week we'll be in my living room, <laughs> which is pretty crowded, yeah. with nine of us in there singing and playing. And but that's only because the, the theater's booked. So we've been rehearsing. We're rehearsing now at the theater on the stage, so we can spread out. And yeah, yeah. We do, we do a little bit of choreography, you know, and. Um, uh, we're doing. Um, I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus. Oh my God, Francesca singing it, and she does it. Oh, I said, Oh, Mama kissing. Oh my God, it's hysterical. <laughs> she does it that way. Which I don't know if you knew this, but that was the original version was a like a ten year old boy saying yeah. that, right? Yeah. And so he sings it kind of that way, and she says, "I heard that. And I thought it would be cute." And I thought, "Oh my God, that's horrible." Then she started doing it, and I was roaring. It's so funny. So she's singing it that way, but also with kind of a Brooklynese kind of accent on top of it. <laughs> Got a big old bow on her head. It's hysterical. And we're doing Santa Baby. You know what? Oh, yeah. So, so while she's singing, and, and she says, oh, another thing, a ring, right? That's one of the lyrics. Well, I bought a, a fake diamond ring it's it's like four inches wide and it lights up it's pink 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 so um while diana will be singing that and francesco or connie will be walking around with the ring and then she sings about a a buick a 1954 a blue buick so i got a steering wheel i ordered so they're gonna be walking in the back it's just it's just gonna be fun a lot of props a lot of fun yeah you have a rock and roll band right i do uh i always want to say twilight zone it's not twilight zone it's time machine time machine and how long has your band been together we've been together almost two years uh but i've been playing with these guys for longer than that because the bands here i've been in a couple of bands here in um in uh, Mesquite, but we kind of... We are in Mesquite, Dennis. We are in Mesquite. I had to think about that. Um, and and we move around. You know, we change bands from time to time. So I've been in a couple of bands here, but the one I have now, it's Time Machine, and I played with a couple of these guys before in other bands. So um, we do classic rock, love that stuff, Beatles, Stones, Doors, you know, all that stuff. Sounds wonderful. Oh, it's so much fun. So much fun. And I'm playing bass. I actually am a keyboard player. Okay. Which I did in L.A. for, well, I've been playing almost 40 years now in, in bands, right? And when I got here, I was playing keyboards in the first band, playing keyboards in this new band. But I kept losing bass players. I lost three bass players in two years. They moved away. They got married. I'm like, they're gone. So okay. I am now the bass player. It's kind of well known. It's it, That's a little known fact about bass players. Yeah, yeah, they're just that, undependable, and yeah. the proof of that is I'm now a bass player, so yeah. undependability is what we do. <laughs> um, so now I'm playing bass with them, and it's so much fun. I, I have done what I do. Don't. Oh, Linda's telling me don't bang my boots on the on the 
desk, so I'll just kind of spin over here. Yeah, you can spin spin your chair around as much as you yeah, want. Yeah, let's say this back in. Just don't hit anything, Dennis. There you go. Yeah, that was a nice little 360 <laughs> there. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. We're getting closer all the time, and it's less than a month away. It's going to be a hoot. Sounds like great fun. And so you play bass and keyboard, and tell us about because I'm not real familiar with bands. How many are in the band? And There's five of us. Um, I also play guitar, as oh, it happens. Oh, wow, okay. So uh, there's five of us. I play bass. Scott and Lyndon play guitar. Brian is now our keyboard player. And Gina, Gina Z, is, is uh, our drummer. And... Okay. All of us sing, all of us play. It's just a hoot. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So we got five singers. But the most common request for me is stop singing. So I'm not one of the great singers in the band. I'll do things where we scream. You know, that's I'm a screamer, not a singer. But we got some guys with really great harmonies, great voices. Gina has, has she has an alto voice, so we get a, a nice little female uh note up above what the guys are doing it's, it's a blast it really is it really is great and we also rehearse in my living room and my living room is a studio since we used to rehearse somewhere else now we rehearse in my living room and so this the northern side is is a um, speakers and a, a mixer and then there's a, an electronic drum set here, and there's keyboards there, and it's just you. I can barely see my TV anymore. The other day we went on, we had a gig, so I had to break all that stuff down and throw them in the truck. My cat walks out. I have two cats. One of my cat walks out at like eight in the morning because I had done it the night before, and it, the complete living room is completely open. It's great. She walks out and she just stops and she's just staring around like, where did my house go? It's so funny. <laughs> so. Anyway, and now it's back to full. And then when we get people in there, I have to turn the air conditioning down about five degrees because sure. it gets so hot in there. Yeah. But it's a blast. It, it really is a joy to be able to do that, you know. Is it unusual to have a female drummer? I You don't see very It many. is unusual. It's the first okay. female drummer I've ever had. Uh -huh. And she's my age, a little younger, actually. Sorry, Gina. And... Um, She's been playing for 40 years also. She knows every song. You just say, hey, we're going to do this, and all right, one, two, yeah, off she goes. So very experienced drummer, very solid drummer. And uh, But, yeah, it's unusual to see females other than singers and maybe guitar players. You know, um, they're out there, bass players, mm -hmm. you know, keyboard, lots of keyboard. Well, girl keyboard players is not unusual either. But female drummers, they're out there, but that's the first one I've Because the entire band lives in Mesquite or Virgin Valley? We're all in Mesquite. We all live in Mesquite. Oh, I had a so I've much had, so much talent in yes, Mesquite. It's true. amazing. We have a um, I don't have it. I attend it. There's a um, a jam session every Sunday out at the Dam Bar out in Beaver Dam. It starts at eleven and goes to whenever we peter out at two or three in the afternoon. And it's just constant stream of folks coming in and out. And I know most of them, and they play this instrument or that instrument, and they sing these songs. We play for a while, and, you know, it's amazing. I know our band, um, what's it, oh, uh, Paul and Linda 
have the Mesquite Cafe Blues. Yes. Um, we've got Delta Straits, a band here. There's a country band. Uh, I don't remember their name, but Mike hits in that. Uh, there's just so many. And these are all organized bands. I don't even talk about all the folks that play. We used to have, it was kind of cool. Before COVID, the Eureka hosted a um, uh, jam night on every Tuesday night. And they have a bar, and right behind the bar is this kind of open area with a stage there. So we would play, and it would be a circle of guitar players. Uh, it's all acoustic. We weren't allowed to have amplified music. But it was all acoustic, all guitar players and singers, and you would take your turn. You would come up and sing your song, whatever you wanted to sing, something you wrote, something you love, whatever, and it would just go around, and everybody else would play along. And there were seats, and there, there was 25, 30 people there every, you know, we weren't getting paid. We were doing it just for the love of the music. And I'm telling you, there was at least a dozen people there playing every, every week. I mean, there's just, it's loaded with talent here. Dennis, you write some of your own music. I do. Tell me, uh, tell us about the creative process. How does that come to you? Well, it, it's, um, it's, you know, the 5% inspiration and 95% pers- uh what is that? Perspiration. Per- Perspiration. Perspiration. Okay. Yeah. And oh, excuse me. And and that's it. You'll get a flash, um, and you'll get a title. Or well, I usually write from a title, and you'll get a title, and say, "Oh, that's great." Um, I had one called Twelve Step Progress." So you create your title before you create the music. I always do, and the title tells me where I'm going with the lyric, and the melody just kind of comes to me. I'm not a not a terrific melody writer. I have a friend in L.A. who is, and sometimes I'll send him my stuff and have him fix it up real pretty. But I'm more of a lyric writer than a melody writer, and my uh, my inspiration will be a title. So, like, 12-step program was a song I wrote. Um, it's a country song, and, of course, you would think it would be about um, alcohol and drug addiction, but, of course, it's not, because how boring would that be? It's about but, trees? No, it's not about trees. It's about bicycling on Mars. No, it's uh, the 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 tagline is I'm going to put you on a 12-step program. That's just how far it is to my front door. <laughs> Come on, that's cute as I'll get out, isn't it? And so it's and 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 I use terms throughout there about um, addiction, but it's it's meant to be humorous. So uh, there's like a line that says. Um, your um, road to recovery took a U-turn on you, you know, and um, just said, like, step one. Oh, I love it. The bridge is step one, admit you got a problem. Step two, begin to make amends. Step three, reinvent your lifestyle. Step four through 12, go live with one of your friends. <laughs> right? So, the, so I, and I love to put humor into songs. I have another one I just wrote recently called uh, Farewell Party. And, and that one is, uh, um, to, tonight I'm throwing a farewell party. It won't break up until dawn. But you're not invited to your farewell party. I'm just happy you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, right? And so those are fun to write. But once I have the, part, the, the idea, farewell party, I go, well, I'm not going to write about an actual farewell party. That's not very interesting. So I said, oh, how about one where you're just glad she's gone? So that... that has a little twist, right? And is a little, I think, a little more interesting. I'm gonna put you on a 12-step program. I can't take your behavior anymore. I'm gonna put you on a 12-step program. That's 
issues Boy, I know it's true That split personality is tearing you in two Your road to recovery took a U-turn on you I said I'd try to help Here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna put you on a 12-step program I can't take your behavior anymore I'm gonna put you on a 12-step Yeah, I think Paul and Linda gave us one when we interviewed them. They're, they're a hoot. I go to every, all their shows, just saw them fr- Friday night. They're, they're really great, really great. But I mean, he used to be, you know, he's a guitar player, right? Have you seen him play? He plays guitar and oh, he yes. and his wife sing. Yes. He was my drummer back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah, he said he was a drummer. He was my yeah. drummer. Huh. And um, so I've worked with him for years. You know, he used to uh, be with me in my first band, so. Okay, I have to ask. Yeah. Because you've already mentioned two songs about kicking women out. <laughs> <laughs> have, have, have your love experiences not been so user I don't think either of my wives would say anything nice about me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not true. My second wife, I was married 35 years. We had oh, three kids. Just wow. wonderful lady. Lives in Minnesota now. God knows why. But we talk frequently and we're, we're good, good friends. No, I just, I don't know. I, I write about that all the time. Uh, I, I write some love songs, too. Because you write to appeal to what you think maybe others are going through or... No, I write to to make songs that I think are interesting and that people would like to hear okay. and maybe sing along with um, that are commercial, you know, uh-huh. that I can sell. Uh-huh. I've been zero successful in that. But even so, the songs are pretty good. I've been on a couple albums in L.A. of bands that, uh-huh. you know, didn't sell albums, but at least my record got on there. So. And you also teach writing writing poetry you've written some of your own poetry and yeah i've published short stories stories and a number of um poems some of them humorous some of them not so humorous Uh, uh, i don't i I am teaching as we discussed earlier i'm i'm teaching uh, uh three sections at utu utah tech tomorrow uh, but that's not what I normally do. What I normally do, I'm the president of a writing group in St. George. It's a chapter of the League of Utah Writers. That's the state organization. And our okay. chapter is called Write On, W-R-I-T-E, Write On St. George. It, it's one of my joys because we have we have an annual conference, uh, which this year will it be in February, well, next year, actually, February 3rd at, at Cayenta Center of Arts, the wonderful artsy place out there. Look at him, he's how he likes it. Um, <laughs> and there it'll be an all day festival, and there's speakers coming in from all over the state to talk about what their expertise is. So we, we, we sponsor that. But more importantly, I think every week we have two critique groups. I host one on Monday night, so tonight I'll be in Washington. Um, just barely north of St. George, and we'll be talking about, um, I mean, not talking about, we'll be discussing our writing. So there's also one on Wednesday afternoons at the main library in St. George. And what we do is in a critique group, they're all over the country, but what we do is you bring five pages of what you're work, currently working on or, or whatever, something that you wrote, and then you, and copies for the other attendees, and then you read your stuff and 
people are making notes as you go. Oh, I love this. Oh, I think this could use some some gentle massaging, right? Uh, this was awkward. I didn't understand this. I loved it. Whatever you're writing on there. And then after you're done presenting your five pages, then we all discuss it. And of course, you can go back and look at the, what you've written and say, oh, you know, on page four, I didn't, I was a little, it really, it does a couple things. It improves your writing tremendously when five other, six other people help you and tell you, oh my gosh, you know, this was wonderful. And, and I was a little confused about this. You can go back and rewrite, you know, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Maybe you don't even agree with what they said, but whatever you want to do, you can go change that. And the other thing it does, and this is what is important to me, besides that, that's very important. But it also gives me a deadline. And I, if I have deadlines, it, it gets me working. If I don't have a deadline, yeah, I watch sports. You know? <laughs> nothing, nothing gets done. But when I know, like, tonight I have to present, then I'm over the weekend I sat down and wrote five more pages of my, of my current story so that I can share that tonight. So stress adds to your creativity, which I've experienced as well. I put things off to the last minute, and then all of a sudden I'm real creative because yeah. it's due tomorrow. You know, I haven't thought of it as stress, but that is that is true. That is exactly mm -hmm. what it is. It, and, and it's putting pressure on myself. It's like I don't want to fail. I don't want to show up and not have something. Right. Especially as president because I'm hosting the thing, and I'm, you know, they're, they're looking at me, and I'm like, oh, I don't have anything. You know, that's yeah. just not a, not a good thing. That wouldn't be good. No, it wouldn't be good at all. Well, Linda brought up creativity, okay, and I like your take on creativity. You want to talk about that? What did I say? <laughs> I wrote this. I don't remember what I said. Wow, I guess. <laughs> I lied about it, whatever I said. He's so getting I mean, his glasses out so he can read what he wrote. <laughs> this is too funny. Oh, okay. Creativity is the process of taking something familiar in a new direction. That in a new direction. And that is exactly... 12-step program or farewell party, right? Yeah. Because you don't expect that kind of a twist. And if it's the same thing that someone else has done, it it's not going to be entertaining. And so right. I think we learn this. The earlier you learn this, I think the stronger an artist, a writer, whatever, is gonna, you're going to be. You have to learn that if it's not entertaining, it won't sell. And if it doesn't sell, you're just going to put it in your drawer. And, and you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you really want to give it some sort of kick that hasn't happened before. But the dichotomy there is it also can't be something that's so revolutionary that nobody wants to hear it. So, you right, someone that's ahead of their time, you talk about him 20 years later, he was ahead of his time. That's because he was he you have to tune into what's happening today and expand on it. If you brought hip hop out in the 1960s, you wouldn't have sold a single record. You had to wait until all those other musical inventions had happened and then it it kind of happened generically and it slowly caught on and now of course it's the dominant musical force. But it wouldn't have done anything in 1964. So you have so and and if you're trying to get a record contract, that's the same thing. You have to do exactly what's happening today, only different, right? And that's a difficult thing to do. Um, some people are good at it. Taylor Swift is very good at it. Evidently, 
That what? Evidently. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big Taylor Swift fan. Oh, come on. I'm such a Swifty. Are I you listen, really? Oh, I am. I, <laughs> so I know are I you shouldn't a, be. Are but you I, a Kansas City Chiefs fan now, too? <laughs> well, I like I like Mahomes. I like I do watch the Kansas City Chiefs, but not to see Taylor Swift. I, I like I like Mahomes. I think he's fabulous. But I'm a country music fan. I have been for 25 years now. I grew up with Beatles and Stones. Love those guys. Don't get me wrong. I still play that. But I love rock. I listened, started listening to the country when rock went into the Nirvana, the grunge stage, and I didn't really care for that. Started listening to country. So I first heard Taylor Swift when she was a country artist. Oh. And her first song ever that I ever heard, in fact, I think it's her first ever chart success, was a song called Tim McGraw. And it was a, not surprising. God, did he dump her too? No, but it is a song about being dumped. Honestly, no, right? Taylor Swift. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> but she's saying, but she's saying gently to her ex. Actually, she's being real nice to him, and she says, um, no, "We're not together anymore." But now, when you think of me, when you think, when you hear Tim McGraw, I hope you think of me. Huh. And it was a real pretty ballad. And later on, Tim McGraw called her in and she sang on his song about the highway. The highway doesn't care and she sang along with that. So she had two or three country hits. And I remember talking to a friend of mine, uh, my ex-wife's best friend, and we were talking, she was a country fan too, and she said, oh, I hate that Taylor Swift. And this was before Taylor Swift was Taylor Swift. I said, man, I just think she's a brilliant lyricist. I think she just, and at that time she was like, what, 12 or something? I don't know. She was very young. And she was writing at a level that I thought was very sophisticated for such a young woman. Um, uh, but she didn't like her. I said, I don't know. I, I think she's a, a really a, a big talent. But I didn't know she was going to be smart enough to go pop. Because once she did that and started writing about all these guys that she dropped, she went through the roof. And I heard the other day she's a billionaire. That's yeah. amazing. I did too, <laughs> and I think it's very amazing. Hopefully, she doesn't have any of my dollars. But <laughs> but now that you talk about her lyrics, I guess I need to go read some of her lyrics. She she's surprisingly good with her lyrics, and she's real hook conscious. Um, we didn't talk about hooks, but hooks are enormously important. So what's a hook? What's and I have a, a presentation I do called yeah. It's All About the Hook. And it's about song, lyric writing. And the hook is that part that grabs you, that pulls you in, right? So we'll sing, we'll sing a, a, the chorus, and we're in the car, and we're screaming the chorus, and we're singing along, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it comes the verse, and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hook. And she is enormously strong at writing hooks. And that's what people learn, and they're simple, and they're easy to sing along with, right? The lyric can go on for a long time. You may not know it, but the hook is important. Yeah. How do you handle mistakes and the critic in your head? Live? You mean like live? Look, oh, I'm, he's handing me something because I wrote this and I don't remember. <laughs> you beat me to it, Linda, because I, I was going to ask that. Because, again, you've got a, a different take on an age-old question. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, I, you know, I'm really brilliant. This stuff is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so 
I understand what you're saying now because I actually answered this because question. Because you actually did answer it. It yeah. wasn't AI that wrote it for you, right? It, it, oh, you, you it did was. it yourself, right? It, it was. That's I, why I, I can't just, remember it. I didn't write any of this. So what it says here that I wrote, um, is that in, and this re- applies to um, writing groups, and sometimes you wrote something and it totally made sense to you, right? Well, sure, you understand all of the story, so that little bit, well, of course, you did this other thing, or you're going to do this other thing. And so it made sense to you. And they'll tell you, well, I I just didn't get it. And they're nice. I mean, it's not like they're being mean to you, because that wouldn't be constructive. But they'll give you constructive criticism, and you're like, and you're like, and I wrote here, what did I write? Denial? Bitterness and then acceptance. Yeah. So that's exact, right? So while they're saying, you you know, this doesn't work for me. I don't understand it. You're 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 just denying. Oh, they're just they're just they don't understand. They, they they need to write read it a few more times, and then and then you start getting mad at them. I you know I'm a good writer. You can't. Die. And then afterwards you go, yeah, they're right. <laughs> you get home and you go, yeah, that really is kind of bad. <laughs> and then you rewrite it. And then you rewrite it. Okay. Um, and and. There's a saying: all writing is rewriting, because if 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 you turn in what you first wrote, it probably isn't good enough, and that's why we have editors, and they'll call you. And they, these guys at the critique group are basically editors. They tell you that this is good or this is not good, and I go by a rule of two: if at least two people have the same problem with what you wrote, they're right. You got that wrong. If one person didn't understand it or whatever, it it just may not have struck them correctly. But if more than one person says, "Yeah, that kind of threw me too," they're right. And 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 so if at least two people say it, I said I, I circled out on mine and say, you know, you gotta you gotta revisit this. I, it's funny you said mistakes because we also make mistakes live playing music, and ah. that's an, and that's an important thing you have to learn, and you learn it pretty early, and that is. What you do when you make a mistake is you just smile and keep playing, you know, ignore it because the audience usually doesn't even know. Everybody in the band, they know you you, you went to the wrong chord. They know that. They know you played the row, you went, completely went to the wrong section or whatever, and then you recover and you get back into it. They all know you screwed it up, but the audience usually doesn't. I've come off stage and in bars and sat down, and my wife would say, the wife at the time would say, God, that was a great set. You guys were terrific. And you you just want to yell at her, were you even listening? <laughs> but they don't hear it. So live, you got to just keep going. Never stop. Never, never, never stop. I don't care how bad it gets. Keep fighting through, and it'll all gel back again. Well, that's the thing about listening to a band live or going to a play. Uh-huh. Okay, the mistakes, which aren't real big mistakes, no. it, it's all part of it. It's what makes it live. That's a good point. Uh, if, if I want to listen to a perfect song, I'll put it on the record player. Did I say record player? Oh, my yeah. God. I'll, I'll put it on my MP4 player. Okay, Steve, I have a record player. And I figured you would. And I play. And you have a CD player. Of course, and I do have a CD player. And I have an iPad, iPod. Do you remember those? I have an iPod Nano, 
which gets radio stations. It's a tiny little thing. So I used to walk. Now I have a treadmill. But I used to walk, and I would put the headphones on and dial it into the – and it was great. Into so, the one station here in Mesquite? The way, <laughs> no, it, it got it got a couple out of Las Vegas, so I was able to listen. But that's – you know, look at uh, – yeah, you do what you do. I I have a record player in my room with my computer, my little office area there. And all of my records that I actually play are in alphabetical order, except that's on the bottom floor, this bottom shelf of this armoire that I use. And then above that is your playlist. No, above that, that's good though. <laughs> above that is all the Rolling Stones records I own and all the Beatles records I own. Because you see, I have a tattoo of the Beatles I logo on my arm because I love those guys. So what I do is I'll play a, a Beatle record, and then I'll go to a Stones record, and then I go down to the alphabetical listing, and I'll play two of those, and then go around again. So I get Beatles and Stones 50% of the time, and the other time I'm hearing Sonny and Cher, The Temptations, Creedence, all those bands, all the records I bought as I was growing up, mm -hmm. and they're all in there, and I just take them out in order. So I. Bands that you just forgot about, and you go, oh, I love this album, The Knack. Oh, I love The Knack. Oh, so me play, too. Don't you love that album? Yeah. My Sharona. Sharona. Oh, gosh, that's a great record. And for, 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 for frustrated. <laughs> well, vinyl is big again. Well, it's real big. My Both of my sons have record record players, really? stereos, and, and vinyl, and my granddaughter's into that as well. Younger kids. That's amazing. What vinyl. What do they like about vinyl? I don't know. I mean, I grew up with them, and I bought them, and I'm not going to go buy the CDs. Or the, yeah, it would be $1,000 worth of CDs that replace all those. And the records play great, but I'm surprised that the kids are buying oh, vinyl. Oh, no, it's big. I have a bunch that I never listen to I probably should throw out, but I'll let my kids do that. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't. It's, vinyl's big now. Yeah. I have some 45s from when I got divorced. My wife gave me all that stuff. So she didn't want any of it. So um, I've got Beetle 45s on Swan and Tolly. They were on the, before Capital took them, Capital had the contract uh -huh. for the Beetle records. But when they first came over, the Capital didn't think that the Beatles were going to sell any records. So they didn't have a contract with them. And so these there was three company. Swan and Tolly made 45s and um, VJ Records did their first album. And pretty soon Capital went, whoa! <laughs> and they put the kibosh on all that. But I've got those. It's kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah. You're kind of a happy guy. No, no, I'm very, very bitter. Yeah, you're you're kind of a happy guy. Um, you enjoy life, at least what I see. I do. I have fun. Do you have any tips or tricks for anybody coming up, any musicians or artists? How do you get that to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. You know, it, and then go out and put yourself out there. Take a risk. You know, um, especially with writers, but with musicians, too. And I see singers, and they're... And they're a little hesitant, a little timid. Everybody's going to love what you do. 
practice hard, get in a band, get out there and play, and you're going to get better really fast. But if you just sit at home, if you just sit at home and, and play guitar, that if that's what you want, that's great. But if you want to get better, you got to go in front of people because at first that's really scary. It's really hard. The first few times you get up on stage, you're so sure you're going to make a dang fool of yourself. You don't, and then sometimes you actually do, <laughs> and oh well, get over it, because you're going to you're going to succeed in the end if you really love it and really work at it. You're going to be fine. You may not be Taylor Swift, but you'll be you, and you'll get to play and live in front of people, and you get comfortable after a pretty relatively short time. And now it's just fun. Now it's just so much fun. Do it. Practice, practice, but get out there and play. That's good advice for, I think, visual artists as well. Because you, when you get your artwork out, you have more interaction with other artists and you get more feedback on your work. It, it is, and feedback is really great, like with the critique groups, because you... You look at it and decide whether or not that person is right. And if that person is right, the next piece you do, you can incorporate that bit of wisdom and make it even better. And you like to listen to other artists as well. well uh, we were telling Steve before we got onto the podcast that you and I have seen each other at different events and we actually dance together. We do. Great Absolutely. Time. Yes. And, but you know what's hard? I'll, I'll see my friends play, and I'll, I'll be in the audience and, you know, maybe dance some and sit and have some wine and just enjoy myself. And inside, I want to run up and jump on stage and start playing. I'm just dying to get I'm Call me up there. I would never say that, but call me up because I'll sing. I'll play. <laughs> it's so hard to sit there and not get up and, and play. It's difficult. But I really, really enjoy it. I've got friends that play in this town, and I go see them all the time. What's the future hold for you? Well, really more of the same. I continue to write. I continue to publish poems and short stories. I'm excited about that. I'm mostly in anthologies. One of the things, and if there's any writers out there, I want to encourage you not only to come and join our, our organization because it will make you a better writer, help you be a better writer. I would encourage you to look up, uh, you can Google it, you'll find it, contests or you can enter your poetry and you can enter your um, short stories and some of them are expensive you don't need to do that but some of them are free and some of them are like five or ten dollars an entry and the thing that's beautiful about that is that you get an opportunity to get published because if you if you win an award Usually there's first, second, third, and then there's some honorable mentions. If you get any of those, they, they then reevaluate those a second time, and the ones they like best go into an anthology and you become a published author. It's an opportunity to become a published author, and those things go on your resume when at some point if you're going to go to an editor or a publishing firm and try to get a book done or whatever, you've got these things. i got a stack of anthologies that I have things in. Well, those all count as published authors. And you get that through signing up for contests. I'm not pushing that. I don't have a con. Well, I do, actually. My, we have a contest right now for my, uh, but for just for members of our organization, and it's ends next week or something. I'm not trying to push that. What I'm saying is, as an author, if you're out there and you're writing, do yourself a favor, look up some of these contests, find the ones that fit your, because they oftentimes will have a category, and maybe it's for horror, 
well, you don't write horror. Okay, then don't go to that one, right? But there'll be other ones that are humor or they're naturalist or whatever. Write those. And consider entering those because you can get published and that makes your resume so much stronger. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about, well, I guess you've told us about your group, but do you want to give um, some contact information for any aspiring authors or someone who just has interest? Yes. If, you, if you're if you an author, um, we don't have an organization here in Mesquite. Um, so I have to steer you where I'm the president at in St. George. And it's called Write On, the word write, W-R-I-T-E, Write On St. George. Uh, we have a website which has our old name. This is plenty confusing, so I'll try to confuse you as best I can. We used to be called Heritage Writers Guild. So if you're going to look us up prior to January 1st of next year, when our website changes, you would find us under heritagewritersguild.com. And on there, it will have an, um, all the contact information. It has my email. It has our uh, the organization's email. It tells you where our critique groups are, and you're welcome to come to the critique groups without joining. So come, bring your stuff, enjoy. It also has a a place where you can join the organization, uh, and that's $30 a year, and and that makes you a member of the state organization and our chapter. So you have discounts on, they have uh, um, writing contests where you can get published, so that's a really important thing. And they have a convention that's wonderful in August, all those, you get discounts on all that stuff, including the hotel rooms and the discount, uh, the convention itself. So all that stuff is really helpful, and it really gives you a lot of support. We even have a retreat once a year that that um, some of the members put on that you can go to. And, and as a writer, I, I, I can almost guarantee you're going to improve everything you do as a result of being in with like-minded people who are doing the same thing you are and are just as passionate about it as you are. But it's organized so that you know when to go there, right? It's Wednesdays and Mondays and Wednesdays where we have our critique groups. And then once a month on Tuesday, the second Tuesday of every month, we have a chapter meeting where you come and we have presenters and they'll talk about what they do and you can learn some things there too. So if you're a writer and you're looking for some way to branch out, I promise you, I've been doing this myself. I, I walked into it one time, and I've been there now for seven years. And it I've made great friends. I've published things as a result of being in this group. It's a wonderful thing. If you're a writer and you want to get out there, this is an opportunity. This is a great baseline to start at. I, I highly recommend it. Look it up. Heritage Writers Guild, all one word, dot com in St. George. That's great. Just in St. George. Right. Yeah, it's not that far. And you know what? The benefit is you get to drive through the gorge, and that is such a joy. It's so gorgeous. It's I beautiful, love it. It's isn't it? It's beautiful. And I'm through there. I go, I'm go. i in St. George a couple times a week, and I never get tired of driving that gorge. It's so, so nice. Dennis, I see that you've acted in 10 plays. I have. You want to tell us about your favorite play? Wow. It was actually my first play I was ever in. I had decided after I got divorced that I always wanted to try acting. And so I was in L.A. at the time, and there was a, a community college just down the street, Pierce College. So I took some classes there, and then the 
teacher said, you, you know, after a couple after a couple of semesters, she said, you know, go ahead and try out. Well, I didn't know she had already casted me, <laughs> but I didn't know that. Um, <clears throat> and it was a, a play. It was an old movie in the fifties called Born Yesterday, and it's it's a, the plot is that the 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 male lead is a gangster of an age, and he's got this gorgeous model type, you know, a trophy wife. And she finds out after time that he's a crook and gets rid of him. So, 12 steps to the door. You're 12 <laughs> steps. That's how far it is to my front. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, I love that. Anytime you want to plug my songs, go ahead. Um, so so I, I, I was given the lead. I had never been in a play in my entire life. And I was given the lead, and there was 80 pages in a script. The script's actually kind of physically small. It's like a small paperback. But still, 80 pages, and I was on 60 of them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember I, I worked up in the valley, and I, I mean, I lived in the valley, and I worked down by the airport in Los Angeles. It was about 30 miles. And I rode a motorcycle to work every day because you can go through the cars, you know, so you can get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I did that every day for years. And I'd be on my Harley going 70 miles an hour on my way to work and reciting lines in my head. And I couldn't stop because I had so much to learn. But it was a blast. It was so much fun. I was totally hooked. So I did a few more there, and then I moved here, and I've, I've done it several at the Mesquite Community Theater. I also directed two plays here, and I was the musical director in a couple of plays. I love theater. And our theaters, our theater's really good. You know, I for those anybody who hasn't been there, shame on you, number one. And number two, let me tell you how wonderful it is. It was originally a, an elementary school auditorium. That's what it was. But after they built better schools, they the city put enormous money into that. So you have these great big plush lean-back seats in there, right? There's not the kids' benches or anything. These are really nice seats. They put in sixty dollars to $100,000 worth of um, lighting and and uh, sound equipment, and as you guys mentioned, just recently they put another, I believe, $40,000 worth yeah. of new equipment in there. And it's all computerized. The lights are amazing. The sound is fabulous. And they have set builders here in town, right? Retired guys that were carpenters all their lives, and they build a really gorgeous sets. Mm-hmm. We've got um, retired uh, people with theater degrees, and they've worked you know, uh, in, in theaters all over the country, and their directors and their actors. And the level of the shows here, I was stunned the first time I saw them at how good they were. And then I started working with them, and it's like, this is so fun, and you guys are so good. I didn't expect it, so love that. Unfortunately for me personally, I, I don't have the time because to be in a play, and by the way, if you're out there listening to this, you want to act, you're in. I'll, I can guarantee, almost guarantee you there's a part that they'll have for you. And if you're not an actor, if, you're a, if you build things or you like sets or that kind of stuff or you want to do the props, you want to do spotlights, come down to the theater and volunteer and you'll have nothing but fun. It's great. I love it. Come down and join. And you said 
that you practiced your lines while riding the motorcycle? I did. I still I'll, have that motorcycle. I'll just go back a little thing that Linda and I had a guest, a cowboy poet, who um, put his lines, his poems, in his um, shower. So when he took a shower in the morning, he would practice ah! his lines. I was thinking about that. I forget who that was. Oh, my but... gosh, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you have to find time. You know, even if you have a small part, you have to memorize the lines, right? It's not like a TV anchor where they've got a a teleprompter there, and and good for them. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but you don't get that when you're in live theater. I remember I was—and you sometimes you forget. I remember I had a—I was was an inspector or something in some play. I don't even remember the play, but— but I was at a desk. I sat down at a desk, and, and the female lead comes up to me and asks me about some missing diamonds or something. And she comes walking up, and her eyes, she, this is live. There's an audience out there. I could see her eyes just bulging. She has no idea what her next line is. And we've been doing this thing for two months. But she is lost. She lost it. She had no idea. And I, she's just walking to me, and she's staring at me. And I said, okay. She doesn't know what it is. And I said, I bet you're wondering about those diamonds. And she goes, I am. And boom, she was right back into it and everything was fine. Because I knew what she was going to ask me, right? And But this is an experienced actress, and sometimes you just beep, oh, no. <laughs> so I gave her that cue, boom, she was fine for the rest of the scene. Wow. And we, we got the stuff done. That's wonderful. It was. It was fun. She thanked me afterwards. I said, hey, you know, I'm going to do it, too, and you got to bail me out. Sure, sure. <laughs> You've won awards for your short story and poetry. You want to tell us about that? Yeah. Again, this is from writing contests generally. If I get a first place award, and I've gotten several, I frame it and put it. I have a wall of shame up there, and I've got. I'm not embarrassed to put them up there because I said that. That just it makes me happy that I've done that and that I have that. So uh, I'll get the awards and I put them up on the wall, and then some of them end up in anthologies and get published. I've also on that wall, I have the poster, which I just showed you a poster of my Christmas show. Come to the Christmas show. And I I put the posters of each one of those shows on my wall too. Anything that I either acted in or directed or whatever. And so I've got all that stuff up there. And it's, I'm in my office working and I'll see, it just makes me smile. I I just like it. And, And again, if you're a writer, join. Come to our organization. Come to someone else's organization. Uh, there's up in St. George. There's also two poetry uh, um, organizations. I'm a member of one called the Dixie Poets. I'm I don't run it. I have, I'm just a member. I'm just one of the. And there's also another one called Red Red Rock Writers, and I have no affiliation with them at all. Although I know some of them, and they're nice people. If you're doing any of that stuff, think about joining because you'll get better and you'll really love it. Wonderful advice, Dennis. Yeah? Dennis, what has inspired you this week? This week, um, I'm stressing terribly about this. this <laughs> these <laughs> college students I have to speak to tomorrow because um, it's been a while since I did it. And when I'm going home here today, I'm actually going to practice it. Um, but it's great because you got these kids and they're just... I know that they're 19, 20 years old, so they're not babies anymore, but they're still just bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, just getting started. And you get an opportunity to uh, to help them see that 
there's more to life than just the telephone. And one of the things I am going to ask him tomorrow is I'm going to say, how many people think poetry is boring? And I'm personally going to raise my hand and everyone else is going to People don't like poetry. But the reason they don't like poetry is that they haven't been shown the poetry and they don't realize the poetry that they hear all the time that they do love. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is a wonderful poet, right? And we all grew up with that stuff. And the one I'm doing tomorrow, one of the examples is, Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even, and they're all going to yell back at me, a mouse. And I go, yeah, that's a poem. If you read the whole poem again at your age now, you're going to be surprised at how perfect the meter is, how perfect the rhymes are, and then, of course, how fun that story is. You know, coming down the chimney and Rudolph and all that. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant poem. So poems don't have to be boring. But oftentimes they are. I remember in college they, we had to write, read this poem and comment on it when we came back the next time. And I honestly had no idea. I knew, I knew all the letters. I know my alphabet. I knew all the letters that were there. I knew all the words that were within my vocabulary. I had no idea what that poem was about. I read it and I just did not have any idea what it was about. So we come back and the teacher goes ass and most of us had no idea what it was about. It was so uh, obtuse. It was just weird. So he goes line by line. And it was like an algebra teacher. Remember algebra when you're a kid and the teacher just goes like this. And you go, oh, that's easy. And then you take the program the, the, and you can't do it at all. You can't even <laughs> find the first step, right? Well, it's the same thing with this poet. So this teacher, so he goes and he gives us line by line. And it turns out it was about Two lovers who are at a pool and they dive in the pool and they kiss and hug. I'm telling you, I did not even know there was a person in that poem. <laughs> so my my point is, you shouldn't need a translator. Yeah. You shouldn't need a translator. That's not a good poem. He thought it was a great poem. I don't think so. If you need a translator, that is not a good poem. You should have, "Twas the night before Christmas. And you should know that this is fun. It's entertaining, but look at how clever he is with the lines. And not everyone knows what meter is, but it's the um, it's the rhythm of, of a line. His meter is perfect so that you can read it over and over and over, and you're never going to get lost. You're never going to stumble because the meter is perfect. He has worked so hard on it. such a great poem. And there's lots of them. Do you remember the, uh, the poem by Kilmer called Trees? I, I'm, I don't think I'll ever... I don't, I'm paraphrasing, oh, yes. but I don't think I'll uh, ever write a poem as pretty as a tree. I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm I, Kilmer, I apologize. That was terrible. But it's a wonderful poem about how, she's talking about how, how wonderful trees are, but it's just the way that she does it. And you understand what she's saying and the language is pretty and, and it's only, you know, half a page long. It's still, well, obviously it doesn't stay with me as well as it should have, but it's a wonderful poem. So poems don't have to be boring, but oftentimes they are. And I wonder if writers are just intentionally trying to be as, as eloquent and obtuse as they can be, so you have to dig into it. But I, I, I'm about entertaining, and I don't think that's very entertaining. So I like to write poems that when you're reading it, you know what I'm talking about. You like it or you don't like it, but at least you're not confused. Anyway, that's where I am. Dennis, your students are so lucky to have you as a teacher. <laughs> well, they're not my students. I'm a visiting guy, but 
Thank you. They're your students for the day, for yeah. the night. We want to thank you for spending time with us today. This has been a real hoot, hasn't it? Steve? Yes, it is, and we could spend another three hours talking. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. And Dennis could spin in his chair a few more times as well. <laughs> <laughs> I did a 360. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> we look forward to listening to your band. Great. And we'll come to the Rock and Sing Along Christmas, December 2nd. That's it. The Community Theater. Uh-huh. Come down. 12 bucks. you're going to get... Your money's worth, and you get get to sing Christmas songs. I love Christmas songs, and that's why we're doing this. Sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it, Yes. Steve? Thank you, Dennis. Thanks we'll have, for having me, Steve. Thanks, Linda. You'll have to be back again. I love it. Thanks. Thank you. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com, where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.